Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. In Michigan, people can grow at home. There's caregivers and then there's licensed retailers. You can go home, you can have your 12 plants, you can have a caregiver, be a caregiver, or you can go to the store. And so I think Michigan is good because there's a lot of options for consumers. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back. We have some very active guests today. There was dancing before we even got here. This is very exciting, Dave. I know. I, I didn't realize how danceable the theme was until our guests started shimming a little bit, and uh, so I did too. I, th- I, was, I, no. was slap- I was slapping the bass. There's a bass guitar in there, right? He was. Well, you know, again, that is Josh Lampkin, the infamous Josh Lampkin, who is now down in Nashville touring with the Kelly Daniels band up in Illinois and Virginia. And apparently every night in Nashville, because that's what I, that's what he's telling me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> your only mode of, co- of communication with your son? I don't think basically so. unless he needs money. <laughs> no, he's and actually he, a good. Boy. He's a musician, so he always needs money. No, he's a good boy. I got to say he's doing this on his own, so I'm proud of him. All right, but it's not about him. This is about me, 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 me. Um, so I got a little bit of Massachusetts cannabis news because we are a Massachusetts-based show. Um, the Massachusetts Senate voted on Bill S-2801, which fixes some of the things that need to be fixed in our cannabis policy. It will put tighter restrictions and enhanced oversight on the host community agreements 
that all Massachusetts cannabis businesses are required to sign with their host communities, which I always call extortion. So I'm happy those are getting fixed. Mm. Um, make grants and loans available through the new Cannabis Social Equity Trust Fund, which is pretty cool. And it creates a method for cities and towns to authorize the on-site cannabis consumption establishments that are already authorized. So there we go. Moving forward in cannabis in Massachusetts. Finally. Those lawyers, Dave. It's the lawyers. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I did actually have a lawyer tell me he thought it was extortion too. I remember three years ago. I'm like, what are these agreements? These are ridiculous. He's like, we would never have any other business ever sign anything like this. Yeah. Contract of adhesion. Isn't that what they used to call it? I remember yeah, that from law school. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's not all gone. Okay. Um, and then a uh, high tea party in Boston is quickly approaching April 30th, and tickets are going fast. We have CBT from in Ivy Infusion Teas, and we have treats from Loud Girl Goodies. On our panel, we will be speaking about the Courage in Cannabis Anthology with Dr. Bridget Williams and Canna Educator Sherry Berman will be presenting on the endocannabinoid system. Um, each ticket purchase enters you to win. We have a new thing. This adorable bong from my bud vase. It's about eight inches tall. It's cream colored. It's got a beautiful little flower because it's a garden party tea party. So come on in. Even a more incentive, not just to hang out with me, you could win a cute little bong from my bud vase. That is the most elegant looking bong I've ever seen. In college, I had, uh, my roommate had one called the the Enterprise, which vaguely resembled uh, a a sort of soiled version of the Starship Enterprise. That one is cute, pink, flowery. I love it. That's women changing the industry. It doesn't have to be gross. <laughs> and, and and clean your stuff, people. Clean it. Bogs are not required to be dirty. That is not like part of the process. <laughs> Amen. Listen to your mother. Okay. And a couple more things. We're moving along. Um, yeah, just like my mom, when I was growing up, my mom always to clean up your room and your bong while you're at it. Yes. <laughs> New advice from Canada Moms. <laughs> All right. Um, so this year, I don't know if, if you've been a long time listener, you know, in May, I usually give away a bong. We had, I mean, a bong, a quilt. We had the bong from mom quilt two years ago. Last year, we had the women of the amazing Technicolor cannabis quilt. Um, I am not making a bong. I'm not producing unless I put on the Joseph song. <laughs> and with Passover and Easter coming up, the Bible stories, it all kind of fits together on the Canamom show. So that was <laughs> last year. Yeah. Uh, but this year, I'm actually not making a quilt to give away, but um, I've been quilting and I have, um, you know, Ukraine refugees, a lot of stuff coming out in the world. I am working with an organization called the Welcome Blanket Project which is a platform for engagement that transforms the abstract concept of immigration into a tangible crowdsourced artistic action, meaning that ladies all across the country, maybe men too, are making blankets. I know you can't see it because this is audio. There's a quilt back there that I made. It's 40 inches by 40 inches. Um, people from all across the country are making these 40 by 40 inch quilts with little stories about their own immigration stories and welcoming people to this country, which are being given away. So I am supporting that. And it's going to be actually part of the um, Hi Chief Boston, part of each ticket proceed is going towards the Welcome Blanket Project who wants to use our heads, our hearts, our hands, and our histories to craft the country we wish to see. Craftivism. Craftivism. I've never heard that before. That's great. 
it's it was part of, i don't know you remember the pink pussy hat mania a couple I of do years ago that, yes again that's craftivism oh, you know I, oh i get it yeah coming together using your hearts and your hands together people are making hats my friend of mine made me my pink pussy hat which i still have to this day i don't have many opportunities to wear it but maybe i'll just pull it out because it's awesome and it <laughs> makes a statement <laughs> i guess the aids quilt would have been like the original craftivism right yeah, everybody thinks that you need guns and bombs to like change the world. That's so far. It's like us. It's us doing stuff together. It's a movement, kind of like cannabis, because we always got to bring it back to cannabis. And one more thing before my guest, you know, we're going to be doing season four, Dave. We have announced it. We are going to be doing season four, September 2022. The award-winning show continues its so, mission. Continues. And to keep this going, on May 1st, we are announcing the first Keep the Canna Mom Conversation Going crowdfunding campaign to raise the funds to support season four so we continue on our mission to elevate the stories of the women building this new industry. Excellent. That was a lot. Okay. <laughs> and then before we begin, thank you, Northern Specialty Health Provisioning Center, for making today's show possible. All right. So quilting teas, we've got a lot, but today we're going to be talking about Michigan, which we haven't really, and Michigan people is quite a cannabis state. It's got a lot going on. So this is our Michigan cannabis show. Our guest is joining us from outside Detroit, but we also have our sponsor here today who is in the Upper Peninsula. You've met today's guest a few weeks ago as our special segment guest, and we are happy to have her here for the full show. She's a cannabis entrepreneur and a ganja clergy woman. We met on Clubhouse where she hosts a meditation room every morning, and she has several other businesses, including You Are Wellness, to cultivate your wellness and Gut Terpenes, which she founded with her son. And of course, Noted, which she spoke with us about a few weeks ago with our friend Ashley Corrado. She is also a board member on the Cannabis Spa Association and the World Cannabis Foundation, and is a spiritual soul who shares her light and sees the light in others. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, my friend Nydia Zamorano-Torres and Northern Specialty Health Provisioning Center owner, Penny Milky. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Oh my gosh. Wow. Like, what an honor, first of all, to be on here with you getting a third season. Congratulations. So, wow. Thank you. Bravo to you. And then, with such a great Penny, you are paving the way. You and your husband have been paving the way up in Houghton in the Keweenaw Peninsula for a while now and it's just an honor to be here and also like y'all are friends too so like honor and like girl fanning all and all of it all in one space and uh we just talked a couple hours ago but we're gonna keep her going so again you guys are from michigan's a big state before we got on they were both making literally the same hand movement to explain to me where they were on the mitten (laughs) (laughs) so knitted just talk about i talk a lot about how cannabis is very you know it's very state specific but it's also very local specific you know massachusetts is a much smaller state than michigan so you just talk about like a little bit how you got into this cannabis space and what's going on sort of where you are in a, I guess a more urban area. Cause we've talked a little bit with Penny before too. So. Yeah. Thank, well, thank you for again, for having me on and for giving me the time and space to speak. So my name is Nidia Ganja clergy. I got into cannabis when I was 15 years old, 14 years old. I had a Newport cigarette the first day and a joint the next day. And I fell in love with Mary Jane. And I didn't really turn her into a career until about 2019 is when I made the decision. And when I did, I was just searching for people in the industry 
in my local area and reaching out to them, not knowing exactly how I was going to go about it. I didn't know if I wanted to do, you know, what some people call in the industry, the green grant work, which is like the trimming and the bud tending and all of these things. And so I took a course called Cannabis Coaching Institute by Corinne Tobias. And I got certified and really educated about the plant and how to help balance the system that is behind it called the endocannabinoid system that we this have. Actually, like back up just a little bit. So this is 2019, yeah. but just where were you before? Like, you know, so my, I always thought. I was a physical therapist. Yes. Yeah, so I say this in the year. Yeah. In yeah, my natural habitat, that. I had to learn about it. So that was sort of similar. Oh, but you were using it. So what did you understand about it? Because I know that you were, you know, just in general, I like. I was a physical therapist that Eastern and Western medicine had to meet somewhere, but I didn't understand where it met. Okay. Um, as a physical therapist, I was always told to stay in my lane. And as soon as I discovered that I could let that lane go and actually become an entrepreneur in cannabis, then it was just like, okay, I, I like now the world opened up and that's where Eastern and Western medicine opened up for me. And that's where they met because now I'm like so ingrained in the spirituality of it that education comes naturally to me and that's how my son and I created got terpenes which was just talking about the terpenes behind the plant and then saying hey come sniff my cannabis and come sniff this jar of cannabis and tell me what you smell in it and he was able to start identifying it and I was like wait a minute (laughs) so that's like that's another business but I'm trying okay so all right so you came to this from physical therapy you were actually a consumer and when 2019 you again like you were trying to find your space kind of like I was kind of like a lot of women are trying to figure out what you did yeah. Yeah. All right. So and- I got certified and we started my business, You Are Wellness, with the education. But through that, I discovered the spirituality. And that's really what hooked me. I, I've always been a person that's waxed and waned with different religions, baptized a few different religions, just never, nothing ever stuck, but everything had a little bit of truth in it. And when I found cannabis and looked at the spirituality behind it, it all kind of like, doom 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 made sense like a rubik's cube just kind of coming together for you all of a sudden i was like oh wow and how was your well i guess okay so and you're more of an urban area you you know getting access to it so when you started talking about cannabis was it an issue was it a problem like what were people saying to you or so down here in the industry what i found were a lot of people that were doing the work and i didn't know about doing the work i was just this person that wanted to get in the cannabis industry and kind of like trying to figure it out here and there. I ended up working for a dispensary down here, actually in a very Hamtramck, which is just outside of the borders of Detroit when okay. you couldn't have recreational in Detroit. And so that was an experience in and of, it, of itself as well. And I decided that that wasn't for me. And so I started developing my three other businesses and saying, okay, this is where I really fit. But it's allowed me to now partner with people both on both sides of the cannabis industry, both on the legal side and on the legacy side or Mm -hmm. the not so the caregiver side. There's a lot of different labels that can be given to both. And I've seen a beautiful synergy. And with Penny, actually, uh, a few weekends ago at Hash Bash, we saw a beautiful synergy of it. And so that seems like a good segue. So what what was the synergy? Actually, should Penny? (laughs) So Penny, you're in the upper uh, peninsula, um, a little bit more rural. I know you've been your story is very different just in terms of how you got in. I know you have a billboard somewhere near your house of you and your family. So you're, you've been doing this for a while. This is your thing. So the synergy was Hash Bash. Um, Hash Bash takes place in Ann Arbor the first Saturday of every, every April, every year. And this time it was the first time where they had legacy operators, you know, like just people who grew and made their products 
selling it. And they had licensed operators like myself. And we weren't allowed to sell anything, but it was wonderful because everybody was together. It was caregivers. It was, I guess, if you want to call it legacy of black market people, it was licensed market people. It was everybody together. And um, it was just all about the beautiful smell of marijuana. <laughs> it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Where was, where was, was it outside? Was it like sponsored somewhere? It was outside. No, it's outside every year. It's on right. um, University of Michigan and Ann Arbor's campus. It started oh. as a protest in 72 when somebody, this man named John Sinclair was arrested for two joints and he went to jail or for prison for it. So it started off as a protest and now it's just like a celebration. This year, actually, there was a big emphasis on psilocybin because Michigan has passed marijuana medically and recreationally. Now the new thing is going towards getting yeah. psilocybin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have a freedom. So there's a freedom festival in Boston where they would take over the Boston Common for three days. Well, they, don't, they only do it for a day now, but it was like a whole thing. And everyone's just consuming everywhere. It's just- yeah. It's wild. Like it's, and it's it, everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. And I'd never been to it before until I started working in the industry. And I, my, I met my husband there and I met a friend there who's like, can you smoke here? I'm like, are you joking me? I'm like, it was interesting to see activists sitting there talking about people incarcerated. And in the background, you hear 500 milligram edibles, 20 bucks, like it's $3 joints. <laughs> and everyone's fine. All right. So that you are all together and actually work. Me. Yeah. It me. For the people who were there that had been there from the beginning, they were like almost in tears and in awe, like just watching it all because they had seen it grown. They had been there when they were just college students showing up, smoking a joint, sitting there protesting as well. And it was only 10 or 15 of them. So it was oh, that's interesting. I wonder how many more there are of those across the country. That's a, uh, again, it's just the normalization of it when you see it. So that's pretty interesting. All right. So that's a Michigan thing. All right. Miss Nydia, I know you are all in. You even have a hemp bed. Yeah, <laughs> I do. You do a business with your son. <laughs> how old is your son again? He is eight years old. All right. So you do a business with your son. Um, mm-hmm. And you also have something coming up, a new thing thing on uh, Mother's Day, which maybe we can tie in with your son. So let's talk about your decision to have a hemp bed. And how did you work with your son to create a business? I think that's very interesting. Sure. So, you know, this is definitely a work in progress. We started out with, I have some terpene posters from a company called Goldleaf, who I love. And they described terpenes. And that's how my son and I, I would stare at these posters. And then I would go out in the forest And I'm like, wait a minute, this is some of the same stuff. I love putting my nose in a big patch of moss and taking a big old whiff of it. It smells so good. Yeah, there's something about the way the dirt smells right after the rain. I realized that those are all terpenes. And I started to have that conversation with my son, led to a T-shirt. And then it led to a misunderstanding with some of my family. And it's very religious and did not want my son talking about cannabis. And I was like, well, how do we shift this? so that they can understand. And I sent my son back the next week with the same t-shirt. Instead of talking about cannabis, I told him to leave that one word out and start talking about the terpenes and trying to say linalool and trying to say humulene that he had spelled out. And he didn't make it far. But as soon as I went to pick him up, I had her take me out to her sage bush out in the back and I had her cut some down because I wanted to make a sage bundle and started teaching her through the terpenes. And so on Mother's Day, I am going to host my very first event with Dr. Terpenes. It's going to be invite only. It's over a mother and a child date, but it's to teach around terpenes. We're going to have terpene stations and have... I I love that idea so much. I I just... 
foods infused with the turkey right. so they can learn. Mom and kid get to walk away with the swag bag. I do have a pitch deck, so if anybody's looking to sponsor, let me know. But so, so are you, is there an age range you're thinking for the um, mother no, child? No, any age is fine. What this okay. is is exclusively five moms. I'm kind of looking now for five moms um, that I know have nature smart children that are in the area, science smart. And it's like just a afternoon, a couple of hours to go into a cannabis-friendly space. Moms are going to have a little separate cannabis lounge where they can rip a bong and come back and enjoy the terpenes with their children and learn about, you know, some stations might not just have lavender. It might have other things on it because you don't just find lavender or linalool and that terpene in that one plant. So it's, I just think it's such a great way to sort of, again, we're always talking about the narrative and the stories and we're a little obsessed with THC. That's all we ever talk about. It's if like THC is all that there is, which is a misunderstanding by everybody. And that if we, even going into the dispensaries, because I'm asking now that I'm more knowledgeable, I keep asking about the terpene profiles because I know that is really relevant and they don't even always have access to it. So mm-hmm. if you can connect this idea that smells make you feel a certain way and I just it, the experience of it, it's, it's a really different experience. So, so Miss Penny, you have children too. How much older are your kids? 10, 14 and 17. So okay. we've been doing this for eight years. So they've pretty much been raised with parents that have a cannabis business. <laughs> And I always think these kids are the smartest ones they can push back because I know the truth of it. And, you know, the joke mm-hmm. I always say is um, if they're ever offered anything, what they're going to say is, you know, what is the what is the cannabinoid? You know, what is the THC to CBD? You know, what what terpenes are in it? Like for gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, their kids know. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. We try to educate them just so they know, even when it comes to like you said, like their friends offering them things. And honestly, I'd rather have them get it from me. They don't. But when they do want it. You know, I would rather them get it from me than from somebody else just because I know what it is. But no, I'm not giving my kids cannabis right now. Just to put that out there. So so in your community, how is it? Again, we talk a lot about crushing the stigma by being, you know, being transparent and like you have a billboard. So people know what you're doing. They're talking about it. Was there push? I know you come into it through your husband and some medical issues, but was there a pushback yeah. in your community? Was there acceptance? How how did moms treat you? You have a pretty wide range of kids. It was okay. And then actually, honestly, at the time I was um, a public school teacher when my husband oh. took over. <laughs> so I was a first grade classroom teacher at a public school in Calumet, Michigan. And I had, you know, the, the parents loved me. I, I told my principal and the superintendent before I came out on the news what was happening. So I, so they heard it from me first. Once I heard it from me, they were fine. They didn't question me at all. I continued to teach there for another year after that, before I left teaching to go work. So just want to go back up so my listeners don't know. So what year was it when you opened the- 2013 is when we took over. 2013, so okay. we took over, yeah, December 2013. I continued teaching until April of 2016. Okay. So we told them in January 2014 or whatever it was, I can't remember. But anyways, there was no problem at all. I was afraid that parents would judge me or that there would be problems. And honestly, teachers asked me questions. They felt comfortable asking are. me questions about it at lunchtime. Or, you know, through messages, phone calls, whatever. People were asking me what they could use to help them. So that's really interesting. What about, what about, so I know that the school nurses aren't generally on board and they're mandatory reporters. And there's also decisions they have to make about CBD or if they can even give them. So did your Mm -hmm. nurses ever contact you and ask you questions about this? Or was that just off the board that wasn't even allowed? No, the nurses never did ask me anything about that. You know, I left school six years ago, so maybe at the time nobody was asking for it. Maybe it's, maybe somebody now, there are parents that are asking to dose their child at school. 
But at the time, I wasn't aware of anybody asking or requesting that. But there were times when teachers would smell cannabis on like a student's backpack. And I would usually say, well, you know what? Their parents are probably growers. I would make it not a big deal because I didn't want, you know, because I'm sure that my children sometimes would go to school smelling it. And I just, because I, I was like the nose, you know, like they would come to me and be like, can you smell that? I'd be like, yeah, it's fine. They're probably trimming last night, you know, it's not a big deal. But, yeah. but again, that's like, so again, we talk about stories and we talk about perspectives. So like, you know, my memory of my children being in elementary school, I loved all their teachers. But if I came in smelling like a joint, I would probably get in trouble. Like, and there would be no mm-hmm. teacher that I was aware of that would say, you know, I wasn't a consumer back then. But like that idea that there's actually someone on staff who loves children. I mean, yeah. I love my teachers. They took my kids from me and helped them. I mean, I adore those people. But for them to accuse my kid of something, I don't know, you need that other adult voice in the room who's saying, here's another perspective. This is yeah, a community. It's probably, where actually, it's probably nothing. Yeah. And, and they mm-hmm. have to kind of keep hearing it from someone on the inside. You know, I talk about doctors mm-hmm. talking to doctors and nurses and even clergy, yeah. clergy people. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So you have your Mother's Day. So you're like, I mean, your mother's, you're fine. You're good. And you're like being that model. I love that, Penny. That's, I haven't talked to a lot of teachers actually who are in the industry. Yeah, it, it all happened. You know, like I didn't grow up with being, I, n- I never wanted to be a grade school elementary teacher. You know, I was a Spanish major. I was a Spanish teacher and then I got trained in reading. So I was a, you know, reading interventionist. And then I got put in the classroom. I was like, what the heck? I, that was not my dream. You know, I survived two years in the classroom <laughs> before I left. Teachers have the hardest job in the world. I know people say like summer's off, this and that, but it is very draining and you have to mother them all if you want to do a good job or father them all, whatever, you know? But anyways, yeah, I think teaching definitely helped me transition to cannabis, especially being like on a billboard or on the news. It kind of helped with that. But how do you think, how do you, how do you think it helped with that? You just get used to being like in the public eye, you know, um, right. as a teacher, you're, you're under scrutiny. Like you can't go anywhere without being called, you know, Mrs. Milky at the time. So I would often, I didn't live in the same community I had taught in. I lived like 10 miles away. So when I would be done with school, I wouldn't be Mrs. Milky when I was all with my kids. You know, I was just mom at the time. Yeah. Now I'm either mom or the the lady on the billboard. I still call my kids teachers who are younger than me by Mr. and Mrs. I don't know. It's like a weird habit. It's funny. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's go back to Nydia. So you are in this space. You call yourself a, a clergy ganja clergy woman, just ganja clergy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what are you doing? How are you working with people? I know you, I love the way you talk to us. I know you, I love your rooms in the morning. How else are you? Are you involved with any other I don't know, I guess, traditional religions and talking about this? I often talk about my own faith. I'm Jewish. I have been integrating cannabis into my um, Friday night services since the pandemic because I've been sitting downstairs on my porch. Beautiful. Yeah. And it has, you know, and I do, I do believe religions all have the same kernel of truth and that we just have different frameworks. That's how we kind of function in this world. It's unknowable. So how, and I know you've helped me I'm personally just sort of try to think about rituals and things. So I don't know, what do you, how do you talk to people about this? What's your sort of message on this? So I got my message from my mentor, Michael Myers is his name. Mm-hmm. And he's very aware that it's associated with a television or movie persona that likes to slay. And, and so he's embodied that he does like to slay. He's slaying the toxic cycles. And he's doing that with his good message of cannabis through the, the church per Comet. And He's not the only comedic believer of comedic religion and comedic practices. But what he discovered was that the cannabis smoke is is curated to have a certain smell to, to curate the attention of the source. 
And so I associate it and I like to dive into each and every religion as it pertains to cannabis, because what it does is it reveals even more about what the past really has to hold for us and and the stories that are really there and rooted there. And so I got ordained in January of 2021 and just as a, you know, universal life church. And then about a couple of months later, I got ordained as a specifically ganja clergy practicing under the Prenatricament Church. And they used cannabis as sacrament on their temples and burned nine pounds of it a day. And so all rituals are surrounded with sacred plant medicine, including psilocybin and cannabis, certain rites of passage, like weddings, like burials or funerals, or it could be moon cycles, all the different types, right? Like there's so many different ceremonies that we take for granted. And these medicines help us transcend that. And so it's allowed me to get from a really depressed state to a place where I'm like, okay, I can see the positive, but also flows through the negative and not fight the negative. So through my clergyship, I performed ceremonies for hire. And then I also guide on a personal basis. And I also do divination readings. And because I tap into that side as well. Did I find that? I don't know. I don't know what you found over the pandemic. I mean, again, I use faith to kind of give me sort of structure to what this world is because it's so Mm. crazy and unknowable. And I like the cannabis. It helps me feel centered. I think that's really what's working for me. And just tap. I love that you say the light in me sees the light in you. I love that. That's sort of like it grounds me through the day. Just thinking about that, because I as a Jew, I thought of that idea of God is one, like one. Mm -hmm. But now I understand it's one. I think it's me. Like it's in us. We talk about that a so, lot. And you see that across the board. Like, again, if you start understanding what other people believe and how faiths evolve, it's this humanity, this kind of common humanity. Well, in nature, N-T-R, yeah. in Kemet, it means nature also means all one, all yeah. in creation, all in nature. So that's, you know, and that's a basic word. They left out the vowels because people would change the vowels depending on which dialect they spoke. And that, that's the beauty of the acceptance and tolerance of that particular way of life and being. And, and I, I identify with that so much. And cannabis led me to that, right? And it was through a lot of meditation. The first year after I got um, certified, I spent meditating. And I came up with three words, love, healing, and community. Every single time, that's what cannabis brings to us. So creating businesses around that for me. I love that. And spirituality and education is where but, I but that is what we talk about healing ourselves so we can create a better planet that's you know where the mom thing comes in and we can't take care of others if we don't care care of our own universe which I really get into that's really I know it's been an interesting transition for me so that's like a whole the whole another world of her we could talk about that for like an hour but we're going to come back to Michigan all right so I know Michigan they just approved consumption lounges I think that's true I don't ask Penny I guess First, what do you think it makes, you know, I know it makes Massachusetts unique, you know, just based our own. What do you think it is about Michigan and cannabis? Because this is really rolling out state specific. What do you think is going on there in terms, I guess, even policy or agricultural or attitudes? Like, what do you think is unique in the Michigan cannabis world? On a positive or on a negative? Both. We can do both. (laughs) Well, I I don't know the negatives of the other states, but I feel like in Michigan, there's a lot of infighting. There's fighting amongst everyone who loves the plant. I don't know whose grand design it is, but it's it's terrible, just the different levels. So that's, that, that I think is a negative. When we're all here for one major thing and people fight over it. Positive in Michigan is that I think that 
people can grow at home. There's caregivers and then there's licensed retailers. So people in Michigan, you can go home, you can have your 12 plants, you can have a caregiver if you want, you can be a caregiver if you want, or you can go to the store. And so I think Michigan is good because there's a lot of options for consumers. I don't want to see an end to home grows or to caregivers. I know that that's how we got started and a lot of innovation and change came from caregivers and from home growers or from the illicit black market from way back when. We wouldn't be making the things that we have now if it wasn't for the people back then experimenting. So that's the good thing about Michigan, I guess. There's a lot of good things about Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I think this is everywhere. I mean, we talk a lot about social equity, Massachusetts, just Mm -hmm. we have these host agreements. I don't know if you guys have these where basically if you wanted to open a dispensary, you had to like give up your first child to get approval in the seat. And then you had to still sponsor the baseball team. I don't know. It was like these crazy agreements that anyone was signing. So that they've sort of stopped. Do you have that kind of like local control over who even comes in? Is that something that's um, going on? We, yeah, we do. The locals do have to approve your permit. When we first got licensed in 2018, Michigan had a licensing board. And that was the most intrusive, terrible thing that anyone should ever have to go through. I refer to it like if you go to a oncologist. And the doctor enjoys the exam. That's how bad it was. It was it was so bad. You guys, it was so bad. So bad. I don't wish it upon anyone. Anyways, Michigan changed how they do it now. They don't have a five-person board that determines who gets a license and who doesn't. But locally, there are social equity components that you have to do. You have to like try to contribute. Michigan has certain areas that qualified for social equity and certain areas that did not, things like mm-hmm. that. But yeah, did that answer your question, Joyce? I kind yeah, of it does. I mean, like, we, had, like, we had this weird thing called an impact fee, like on top of everything else. Then you had to pay an extra 3% to each community for all the horrible, terrible things that were going to happen in the community because you were bringing this oh. dispensary in. And they yeah. finally, we had one dispensary sort of stood up to it and was fighting it in court. And they finally, I think they've renegotiated that in the legislature this month. But I'm always curious about who's whispering in the ears of the politicians to this, you know, who's making these decisions. So a lot of it is big business. Uh, who's talking to that? Who's whispering? Who's telling them what to do? There are definitely lobbyists even this far up north because when we were when we were working in Houghton, I went to all the like city commissioner meetings, city council planning commission meetings when they tried to get medical passed. And then when I worked so hard to get adult use voted on and passed, like one of the last meetings, a couple of people snuck in from out of town, you know, and you knew who they worked for. You knew they wanted to get into Houghton, but it was like we did all this work. And I did it because I want people to have safe access. You know, I don't care how many stores there are, as long as people have options and can get what they want. But it was still interesting to see lobbyists this far north whispering in people's ears promising things doing things like that because the more so the way michigan works i'm in the city of houghton the more provisioning centers that houghton has the more tax dollars houghton gets right right so there are those kinds of benefits too and then there's the application fee that we have to pay to the city every year just to have a yes signature so can you tell me why you can't be called dispensary but you're called a provisioning center do you know where that came Mi- from michigan i don't know I know michigan made that rule up I don't know why, but yeah, we're not allowed to call ourselves dispensaries. We have to be provisioning centers. I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's a funny thing. It's just one of, it's like we have packies here. I don't know. So in terms of, because I always talk about the medical, I just think it's all therapeutic. So I hate when I talk about it, but I know I have to differentiate because that's how it's talked about. I, Rachel Knox, Dr. Rachel Knox always talks about cannabis, the cannabis health equity movement. Like this is a movement for health equity across the board, but we always sort of divide up it's like business, adult use is business and a medical is separate. So, and I know like out here in Massachusetts, there's issues with like pediatric medical, there's always things that we're afraid is going to disappear. So where do you think it is in Michigan? Is that a threat that the medical programs are going to dissipate or the caregiver programs are going to dissipate? Is that happening or do you see a pushback? 
from the people who've been in it for a while. I think yeah. <laughs> some people some people would like to see it disappear. Yeah. Some people absolutely would like to see it disappear and are lobbying to make it go away. I hope that does not happen. Lydia, I'm sure you have some opinions on it too. Yeah. yeah I mean, I keep my medical card always registered and always on top of me just because I feel like it does add um, a layer of protection to the individual. If we have, we obviously have a system that caters to it. So we need to have justifications and our medical or healthcare system needs to understand that this is a necessity. You know, they should be prescribing hemp seed oil to people every day according to their body mass and then the other cannabinoids to help out depending on what their needs are. But, you know, we've, we've got to continue with our education and, and going on shows like this and having these types of conversations in order to have our voices heard because the average person needs to hear information seven to eight times in order to potentially start swaying in one direction or the other. And with this plant, you know, we've done this before. 90 right. years ago, about 100 years ago, we went through this process. So we're capable of undergoing it again. Yes, we can. Um, and here we are carrying that news forward. And so bravo to us. Like. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> All right. So also you guys are um, shift, shifting again. Medical business. You guys are both your business people. This is really what we talk about three days a week on Coffee with Khadija. And we had a, quite a good class, a good um, room this morning. So one of the things we talk about is how important it is to find good people and to mm -hmm. treat them well. We keep hearing that there's a shortage of staffing and people aren't don't want to work and everyone's resigning and I don't know so maybe Penny I'll start with you up there you seem to found some sort of magic solution you seem to be a very good owner so you know tell people what is your what is your business advice to women because again we want cannabis is gonna it's a business I know it's a business and I don't we want it to be created in the image of the caregiver of the plant mm -hmm. and that means that we have to kind of set up some different rules which women like you are doing so just we'll talk about, about how you're running your own dispensary that's not called a dispensary the not a dispensary dispensary i don't know i think we have an amazing team it took a long time to get this far you know we're eight years in, in the beginning there was a lot of work for my husband when i was still teaching and when i quit school he had he needed a break because he was overwhelmed so then i kind of got overwhelmed and then i was able to find people where i could step back let them do their thing they're amazing if you give them the option and the opportunity to show what they have, they're going to do it. We treat them well. We pay them well. We offer insurance for 30 hours or more a week or 70% of it. So it's like we're trying to over the get managers get actually managers and supervisors get paid time off. So we just we, we treat them well. We we I don't want anyone that works for us to be miserable because life is too short to have a miserable job. Right. I want them to come to work. I want them to enjoy it. I want them to enjoy helping people and so I don't know. I think it's like a trickle down, Joyce. I don't really know. Lydia has done this in action a couple of times. But it's also that idea. So we're I was talking to somebody about, you know, the amount of money that the men have been wasting across the board because everything is business as usual. And you have to get, cater to your stockholders and they're they're messing this up. And that if yeah. we had had that money, if like, you know, my 10 friends on Clubhouse who are going to run the world someday had the money that Mad Men had. Can you imagine how they would have used it differently? So uh, you are choosing to make different decisions. It's just, again, life is sort of a game and you got to figure out who's making the rules and we're trying to make the rules this time, right? So Yeah. And I listen to Khadija. I'm a leader. Yeah. I've always been a leader. I'm not a follower, you know? Yeah. Always, always been a leader. I've mm -hmm. always just done things the way I want to do it. And I don't know, Ryan, he is super good too. He like, he comes up, he comes up with these things and I'm like, oh gosh, that's so scary. And then we do it and it's fabulous. And I'm like, thank you for saying something, you know? Because change is scary sometimes, but I don't know, Joy. We're very, very blessed. Very blessed. 
And you're, I don't know, you're doing something that's, you know, it's like the butterfly wings. You're doing something that's impacting other people there. You're really changing that kind of part of your country. You know, you're making an impact, you know. And Nydia, what are you seeing? What are you thinking about? I mean, we do talk about this a lot about business and how we're going to build something with this plant that's going to be better, make us better. For me, it is about pouring into the future. And so like January, my December, pardon me, into January 1st and 2nd, I had my son doing a vision board. And I told him, you know, like, we've got two choices. Everything is like kind of a a choice, right or left. Which way are you going to go, right? We have a McDonald's right in front of our house. Like, he can go work there. No problem. He can go work and make McDonald's dream come true. Or I've got this company over here, and I've got a couple of them that I'm going to develop to give him everything he needs, right? So it's like, pick and choose. You want to watch TV all day long? That's your path. Go for it. You're going right. You don't want to. You want to learn how to read because we put it on your vision board. Fantastic. Because the the idea is, is next year, you're going to be able to read enough to write in name, first name on your W-2. And then you're going to be able to write last name. You're going to write, be able to say, oh, that says age. Okay, that's where I put that. And then the next year after that, you know, then you can potentially start running some of the, the, and you're going to be learning how to clock in and out. And I would like you to learn stocks and bonds by the time you're anywhere between 10 and 12. You know, thinking big, but I couldn't have done based learning project based learning. It's just like, yeah, (laughs) but it started out with being nature smart. It started out with me pulling him out of school and saying, "Okay, this summer, we're going to focus on being nature smart because everybody else is stuck at home in the pandemic. But we got the forest. So let's go and staring at a terpene chart. And so, yeah, it's. It's but it's showing my son that being consistent and showing up is part of the grand plan. And that's what Khadijah and we all talk about Monday, Wednesday and Friday. All right. So I just love the mom son conversation. So my son is obviously older. He's 23. His project based learning was band. He played band. He played rock band from the time he could like pick up a pink guitar. And now he's actually in a band. So people never understood why I didn't cross the dream, but I didn't. And it seemed to work out. So again, (laughs) (laughs) try to engage with your children where they are because you don't know you know if they have an interest in terpenes if they have an interest in nature if they engage with it in a way that it's not a job it's just something who they are that's anyway so that's sort of that's my parenting philosophy my son came out as a musician you know he whatever it made sense to him it never made sense to me I just kind of followed his path and you know we can do we can create a new generation of kids who like really believe in themselves in a really powerful way so I love the way you're treating your kids it's just so grown up all right so we're almost done uh this is the spring it's already the spring i know we all have some really big goals i don't know what's going on in michigan i don't know Nidia, what's what are you looking forward to i know you have a lot of stuff going on 2022 are you traveling are you speaking yeah so this Father's friday, day. i'm on a podcast this friday i'm on a podcast for christians and cannabis okay and i'm going to be bringing a bag full potentially a bucket full of different cannabis products so that people can see it's not just about smoking it. Like I have an array of different, I'm also writing a book eventually about, I think we have about 170 different ways. Oh yeah, she's, um, a, great, she's a great list. So what are you, show, what are the things you're showing people? I've got honeys. Okay. I've got gummies. I've got breath sprays. I've got nanotechnology like soluble sticks, some with THC, some with like a titration of THC CBD. I've got gummies that have like CBG and THC. I've got so many different things. I've got to so there, my, lubes. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. The suppository. That's Dave's, that's Dave's favorite. He likes when I talk about feminine intimacy products. Yeah, I'm actually going to ask somebody. Can you get through one episode without talking about this? Whole milk no, every, 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 every episode, Dave, every episode. That is like, if I don't get to say vaginal just suppository, at least watch this episode. Or rectal. Yeah. It's the clubhouse ladies. This is a whole month of clubhouse ladies. Every single one of them. Wait till Jenna comes on. <laughs> I'm taking hemp seed oil with me. I have capsules, RSO, FSO. Like I literally have more than 30 products. And then I'll take them some flour and yeah, take them that some is, joints so they can try those. It's the best way to see, you know, it's like an Avon party. You got to see what there is. People don't understand. Everyone says I don't want to smoke. And then I start listing it off like Forrest Gump. So. Yeah. Again, Nydia's got the full list of it. And then, Penny, what are you, um, 2022, what are you guys looking forward to in 2022? You speaking, going, traveling, just hanging out with your kids? <laughs> yeah, being a mom, maintaining, you know, no big plans. I My big plan was to go down to Ann Arbor, and I went down there. And there's a couple little birds that are trying to get me to go on another trip. So we'll see about that. But otherwise, I'll be sticking close to home and just hanging out with my kids. You know, I can't believe my oldest is 17. You know, Joyce, he's only got one more year left. He's, oh, you know what we're doing today? He's going to go get fitted for tux for prom. That's what I'm doing right after this Zoom. I'm not ready for it. Question. I'm going up to see Penny. So that's going to be a highlight of this year that I'm going back up to see Penny and spend time up on like Superior proper. So I am just like, I want to howl at the moon with her. We will. It'll rise. It'll rise on the show on that side because we're going to be on the other side this year. It's going to be wonderful. Oh, my God. The clubhouse ladies, we have to get together in, in person, person. That's amazing. All right. Yeah, I have a whole story with going prom dress shopping with my daughter, but we don't need to talk about that now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it Friday. All right, Penny, I know you're we're going to be talking about your non-dispensary dispensary for the next couple of weeks. But what's the best way to connect with you if you want to reach out to you? Website, uh, northernspecialtyhealth.com. That is great. the best way. Or email penny at northernspecialtyhealth.com. That'd be great. And Nydia, just one more time, give a shout out for your Mother's Day or anything else you want people to connect with and um, best way to reach you. Jay, I've got a couple of Force Bunny events that I'm in as well. So <laughs> just check out my Instagram. It's Nydia, N-Y-D-I-A, Ganja Clergy. But you can also check out uh, UR Wellness, letters U and letter R and wellness, LLC.com or got-terpenes.com. So we've got hemp clothing and organic clothing available. Yep, I've got my humility shirt. Penny's got her cannabis plus that shirt. So I've even got clothes for kids and babies available because we all love terpenes. Why not? I love that you have hemp shirts. Not many people have hemp shirts. I just think it's so awesome. Oh, look, kids. Hello, real child. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. My guests are going crazy. All right. Lydia's baby. And Penny Milky, thank you again for joining us. So it's another show, and I'm going to use Nydia's word. The light in me sees the light in you, ladies. Thank you again for joining me. So for my guests and my Canna bro, David Jazz, and our Canna Mom Show team, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna Mom Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing and inspiring and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. 
Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.